Welcome to Stacy on the Right, the podcast. Brought to you by the Alliance for Shared Health, changing healthcare and changing lives. It's my pleasure to welcome Olivia Rondeau, contributor to the Rogue Review and political commentator. She's young and she's a part of the ongoing conversation surrounding a lot of cultural and political issues facing the country today. I love the website. There's a lot of really great contribution going on there, conversations that need to be had. Olivia, thanks for coming on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it. Well, you know, I, I, I love the fact that, you know, there's no empty space um, in the up and coming generation, people who are younger, who are contributing to the conversation. We have a lot of really great voices and yours is one of those. And when I look at the things that I'm talking about, because our kids are in moving into the college years. And so when I was fighting on school board, serving on school board, doing all that stuff, it was, um, you know, I was in the trenches, but my kids were also there too. So I had a lot of skin in the game. And so for younger people coming up and watching this and seeing, oh my goodness, look at what they're doing. Look at the national conversation surrounding schools and critical race theory. There's room for improvement on what we teach on a historical level, how deeply we go into um, America's transition from a slave state into what we have now, which is a representative republic. But I don't feel like any of that can be had when we have huge organizations like the National School Board Association, 90,000 members strong. Um, actually advocating against parents. And Governor McAuliffe, well, he's not the governor now. He, he's running for governor. Terry McAuliffe in Virginia, he's looking to cement that as the new rule. He even has signs out that his supporters are putting, get parents out of the classroom, um, vote Terry McAuliffe. That is something I don't think we've ever seen before from the organized left, which is them openly advocating against parental involvement in education. It's honestly, to me, it's, crazy that people are even giving Terry McAuliffe a chance after hearing what he said about trying to get parents out of the education system and putting that into context with what what we're talking about today, which is CRT and just general Marxist theory just plaguing the grade schools. And people are looking at Terry McAuliffe and saying, wow, yeah, he should definitely be in charge of this. And parents shouldn't be. And it really, it really baffles me. I really wonder how parents and people with children agree with that. Yeah. So um, I know even Democrats have kids, right? (laughs) I'm I'm being a little facetious there, but every every parent, regardless of their political persuasion, would find it odd that some a person they made a person they literally, you know, would not exist without them and their tax dollars, which you don't really get a choice. If you buy a house in a district, you've chosen that your tax dollars from that house go to that public school very rarely across the country and maybe just a few instances can you redirect those funds to follow the child so you're basically saying here I'm bringing my child to you every day and dropping her off or him off and now um, I'm expecting you to teach them you know education not teach them how to think not pour an ideology into them and certainly not go against what I'm teaching them at home and the the organizations that are supporting critical race theory which are the teachers unions and apparently the teachers administrators like the administrators of the schools these individuals are all kind of saying eh actually your kids are belong to us those are our kids like you you brought them here but we are going to decide what they know um does that sound to you like something that is going to be a galvanizing factor for parents going forward and and determining who they want to vote for like you know the midterms are coming up next year 
I I really hope it does. I sincerely hope it becomes that one thing that even a liberal or a Democrat parent may look at that and go, yeah, I don't think I want the government, even if it's being ran by a Democrat, to control the education that my children are getting. And I do know a lot of people like that. I'm, I mean, I'm from Maryland, so uh, it's pretty. Blue, it's more blue than Virginia for sure, and we have a very similar sentiment here. And um, you know. Uh, candidates trying to control education and take it away from the parents and acting like private schools and homeschools and charter schools are the enemy. And there's a lot of Democrats here and a lot of liberals here who are just, or who are deciding to stand up to that and look at that in a kind of funny way. So I hope that we see a similar thing happening in Virginia. Yeah. So in Maryland, there's been a really interesting dynamic because um, Kim Klasik ran for Congress there and she's running again. And she had education as one of her, you know, things that she was really concerned with and she she ran on it. But her numbers did not reflect the sentiment that you're kind of talking about right now, that that parents are really, regardless of their political persuasion, they're they're reconsidering their options. Do you think that CRT has helped propel the entire issue um, forward as a political one and that there might be a change in sentiment going in the opposite direction for next time? Because 2022, we're already in that campaign season. She is running again. Do, do, do you think people have changed their minds at all? Um, I hope so. And I also recognize that politicizing it is not great if you're trying to appeal to Democrats. So when Republicans are talking about oh, like we have to ban CRT, we can't let the government teach our kids because it's CRT and CRT and CRT, but they don't really name any other problems that they may have with the curriculum or just mainly talk about the principle of the government having control over your children's education in general. I can see how it can seem like an overly partisan issue. And so, I, you know, I, I support Kim. I don't even know if she's running again, but I support Kim. I'm friends with Kim. I think the reason that, that those numbers weren't reflected uh, in, in the election last year was because of the overly partisan nature of the campaign in such a blue district. So it is, it is, it's, it's, uh, you're talking about that right mix, the the tone you have to strike, which is obviously you have to highlight the problem, but you have to come in hard and fast and repetitively trumpet what the solution is and what the go deeper than just CRT. CRT teaches that kids are, white kids are oppressors, black kids are victims. You have to go even further than that is what you're saying. Right. Because you and I can sit here and we both know that critical race theory is bad. We know that critical theory is from a Marxist school of thought and that it's Marxist trying to, you know, infiltrate the education of, of children. But to Democrats, it's, it's not what that is. I think a lot of people who are good people who are Democrats generally don't look at CRT as this evil Marxism. There are Marxists who love CRT because it is Marxism, but I think there are misinformed people who are more neoliberal or moderate who are Democrats who don't see it that way. And so when they see Republicans just talking about the evil Marxist Democrat party and how they want to take away your children and make them learn CRT, I think it scares a few people off and maybe a little bit more than a few. So I think Yes, we'll talk about CRT and really break down why it's bad, like why we should not be teaching black children that they're automatic victims and white children that they're automatic oppressors. But, you know, let's let's talk about some other things wrong with common core education that's not even about social issues, because I'm sure a lot of parents can relate to um, problems with their kids just, you know, being in the same math class as everybody else in the school when they want them to excel. Like, there's so many other problems in the education system with the Common Core curriculum that we could be talking about as well. Well, okay. So 
that actually is a really hot button issue because I remember when our kids were little and, you know, all of the kids go through that battery of testing when they first hit kindergarten. Um, and then there's another round at the end of kindergarten and sometimes it can go into first grade. And that's where they kind of single the kids out who are gifted and they try to add additional programming to those kids so they don't fall by the wayside because, you know, a kid who's struggling can fall by the wayside. A kid who's really gifted but isn't challenged can fall by the wayside. So they will then start talking to the parents and, you know, how it is. You're in the building together. You're there at drop off. You're there at pickup. Parents then begin to find out who, you know, who's all kids went through the second round of testing because the kids talk about it. Oh, you know, Jim and, and Betty had to go out the second time to take the tests, um, take more tests. And then, you know, OK, so they must advance to the last round. And then if your kid is in that group, you're talking and you're kind of like, well, what are they going to do now? And then they plug them into some talented and gifted or idea lab. They have all these different names for it. And then it becomes kind of a competition. Some parents want to be in the class with those kids. Some some parents want to know how close was my child to getting into that. And that can become a huge distraction. But taking it away, which the, the, current, the current ideology says, those programs take the gifted kids out of the classroom. That hurts the other kids. So those kids should not be doing that programming anymore. And they're eliminating that programming in California and in a couple of other places. That's not the answer. But it is a big issue because if your kid is in that programming, it doesn't matter if you voted for Joe Biden, you don't want that programming taken away from your child. So it's not really about left, right. It's about whether or not your child has a right, you're paying taxes for your child to go there, to have some programming to help their needs, just as kids who might be struggling in math or getting some extra math programming, those kids need that and they shouldn't have it taken away either. So how do we frame that conversation? Because I think, Olivia, you've hit on something and that is that messaging is even more important than, you know, the 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 addendum at the end. If it's an R or a D is irrelevant. CRT has shown us that Democrats will get ticked off and go to school board meetings and yell, too, if it has to do with their kids. So how do we message that? What is a better message for people on the right who want to hook in those voters on other sides of the political aisle who are concerned about their kids' education? So what I've seen from speaking to a lot of Democrats is that Democrats a lot of them, you know, we see them lean more to being more reliant on the government when it comes to issues such as like safety and security, pandemics, like we're in the COVID pandemic right now. However, when it comes to things such as law enforcement, and education, and the military, they seem very distrustful naturally. They're always, I can't speak for your family, but I know people in my family um, have always spoken about distrust to the government in terms of education, like the education system is racist, government is racist, blah, 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 blah. And of course, Republicans also have this distrust of government as well. And I think that there's a way that messaging can be changed to appeal to this distrust and the government having control of your children that the Democrats have. You don't have to play into their whole, like, oh, the teachers are racist, blah, 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 your kid's a victim, because that's really not what it is. But... I think that with the right push, if Republicans are like, hey, we both are not happy with the curriculum, maybe the Republicans want God back in their schools, and maybe the Democrats want more speeches about slavery in their schools. I don't know. But if y'all are both unhappy with the curriculum, I think that what Republicans are going to just push for is more school choice and less government involvement in schools because nobody's really happy with the government in schools. Um, And I think there's something to be said for people are usually against authoritarians until it's their side 
that's winning. And so I think we kind of have to break that cycle. We can't just say, oh, I want, you know, I think it's Governor Ron DeSantis who said he wants to like statewide like ban critical race theory. I don't think that's I don't think that's the answer. I think get government out of schools and allow school choice to, you know, basically win the free market of ideas in the education field. So um, if Democrats want their children to be educated a certain way, I think they should be going to the school board meetings, too. And I think they should be advocating for less government in their schools. So I, I agree with you. Um, you know, Olivia, the thing is, there are some direct connections between like so Democrats really support the NEA and AFT, the, 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 the teachers unions and the teachers unions are really at the top. So not the teachers themselves, but the people at the top and, and the activist class of those two unions, which are our teachers themselves. They really have their primary concern is, of course, pay and benefits and control. Um, who controls the classroom? Who controls the building? Who controls the kids? And so it, it is a very nuanced thing because I agree with you 100% that the messaging has to be right. And there are places that you've touched on today where there are activation points where a parent who is possibly on the right side of the aisle talking to a parent who's on the left where they're both dissatisfied about what's going on with critical race theory are better able to solve that problem, but the problem has been federalized. So you have, you know, a huge organization reaching out to the attorney general of the United States who has now inserted the department of justice and parents concerns are not being addressed. And people on the left are saying, well, we just want you know, more discussions about the true origins of this country. Well, you, 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 you just highlighted that as well. That's a huge, that's not the same thing as uh, critical theory. The, those two things are not even in the same world. So we have to have, we have to have a conversation with the people that we're in the trenches with who may not be our political allies about what the end goal should be. And I think maybe we leapfrog over the how and get to the the nitty gritty, which is it's federal involvement in schools. It's the fact that Parents of both political stripes can't just pick their kid up and say, you know what, I don't agree with the way you're teaching my kid. I'm taking my kid and my, you know, whatever taxes go from my house to this district over here to this little independent school or this little, you know, because there's all kinds of different places. Um, so th- that is, is that possibly a solution? Because I'm, I'm just noodling out what you're saying and kind of comparing it to conversations I've had with you know, at the time, they were friends of mine, and we did almost everything together. And they were Democrats. And me and my husband, you know, we were Republicans back then. But our kids played together, we had sleepovers, we did everything together. And at the time, we didn't have critical race theory to battle, it was diversity and inclusion. And it wasn't like this, it was, you know, things we disagreed with, but not really to this level. Um, and, and we usually would diverge because of the teacher union issue. Mm-hmm. Um. To, to to first answer your question, I do think that can be a solution. I think that's what America should be like. I think that you should be able to basically treat your child's education like you really treat anything else in your life. You're allowed to make choices. You're allowed to buy certain things and like hire and fire anyone else that you want working in your life. I feel like you should be able to basically do the same thing with education. Um, the teachers union things, I can't say that I've spoken to a lot of people who have expressed a lot of passion about that subject, but I'm also, obviously I'm younger. I don't have kids, so I'm not like speaking to a whole lot of, of parents and teachers all the time. Like you may be. Well, so I, I will say, <laughs> so this is what I found Olivia. 
Um, you might not be speaking to parents, right? Because you don't have kids. But since you're on the outside of the system, so that's what that's what uh, doctors do. Doctors come in and you you go and you say, this is what's going on with me. And they run a bunch of tests and they look at what's going on. And since they're not emotionally connected to you, they don't, you know, they, they just basically look at your body as a system and they see everything that may or may not be right with it. And then they diagnose and they treat and they consult with other experts. You're kind of like that in this aspect because you're on the outside of the system. So rather than being kind of emotionally connected to this, as all parents are emotionally laden about education, um, but if you're not a parent, you can observe and say, oh, you know what I the problems I see with this system? I also see some problems with the communication about this system. And that's kind of what you've done today. You've kind of given the perspective of someone from the outside. You don't have any emotion in it, which means the suggestions that you're making could actually be really great. Like these, these are problem solvers because of your unemotionality about the topic. And I, I think there's value in that. We don't often approach our issues by saying, hey, let's let's have some input from people who are not parents. In fact, most people would say, oh, you're not a parent. Well, you probably don't understand this. But you've given a pretty some pretty raw assessments here just in the short time we've been talking about this particular problem. Yeah, I think uh, I agree with that. I think um, I guess I'm far enough removed from it where I'm not giving an emotional response to it. But I also it is personal to me. I have a brother. He's a freshman in high school mm. um, in public schools. And I, I only graduated high school in 2019. Like this is. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> it, it's, it's recent. So it's. It, I, I am relatively close to it, but like you said, not emotionally close to it as much as somebody um, with a parent who is a parent with like kids in elementary school would be. Um, but I, I, I just would say that um, I, I spoke about this on, on Kennedy on Fox business the other day. I think it's really up to the parents. I can like sit and I can tweet and I can write articles, make videos all I want, but what really inspires me is the parents that actually go to the school board meetings, because I've seen, I have to look up, uh, cause I forget what district and what state this is in, but parents went to a school board meeting and overturned the mask mandate for the elementary school kids. Like I, I think that parents have much more power and they're not as, as hopeless and useless against like the almighty teachers union as they may believe they are. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's actually happened in, I think three locations across the country. I know one was in Southern Illinois, um, and Governor Pritzker has now gotten involved because he didn't like the fact that those parents were able to just use uh, charts and data and facts to overturn the mask mandate. So he instituted a statewide mandate that the school cannot, basically they can't say no to it. Um, and I think uh, the other two states, I can't remember where they were, but you, you're correct. There, there is a lot of power. Um, I, I, w- I would encourage people, take the lesson from the parents who have had success and the parents who've replaced entire school boards Basically, just keep working regardless of what AG Merrick Garland is planning to do with the DOJ. Right now, it's still your school board, your school district, your kids, um, and you have a right to have a say in it. And a few hardcore activists don't change that. Um, So the National School Board Association sending their letter out, and I'm linking this in the show notes for anybody who wants to take a look at it. You can click through at the show notes at listen.stacyontheright.com. the letter where they apologize on behalf of the NSBA to their membership for the original letter that they sent that the White House helped them draft to Merrick right. Garland asking him to basically declare the parents terrorists. Is this a victory for us? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think it shows how weak and how scared they are. 
because they realize that like they 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 can't just sneak one past us. People are paying attention to this. People are reporting to this, e- reporting on this, even if it's not the mainstream media. Um, but there are people paying attention and people that pointed it out. So while I'm, I, I don't view it as like a long term win. Like I don't think we won the war. It's definitely a victory in the battle. Hmm. I agree. Well, you know, and another victory for me is um, you graduated high school just a few short years ago, and you're already commentating nationally and bringing some common sense to um, what can be really it's rancorous, it's contentious, and it's difficult. And anything involving your money and your kids is going to be it's a hot button issue. You're invested in this, but you also have enough arm's length to be able to make some really astute assessments about what's going on. And I think that's fantastic. And I hope to see more of you all over Fox News, Fox Business, and even maybe CNN. You know, I know it's like going into a mud pit, but it'd be great for you to go over there and and tell them a couple things. Um, (laughs) I'd love to see that. And I'm hoping I would love to. I would love to go on CNN. Honestly, I would never say no to any outlet because (laughs) I feel like even if I get totally like bombarded there and dog powered, at least somebody listening will hear my message, you know? I agree. A hundred percent. Well, Olivia Rondo, contributor to the Rogue Review and political commentator. You can find a link to her website and a whole bunch of other cool stuff about her at the show notes. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today on Stacey on the Right and hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Have a great rest of your day. You too. All right, let me tell you about one more thing that's fantastic, and that is the Alliance for Shared Health. That's health sharing. It's a ministry with over 40,000 households participating. And as a member, you share in the financial burden of healthcare expenses, including need sharing for critical illness, accidents, dental, and vision. You can access the virtual care provider at zero cost, pick up your prescription from the pharmacy using the shared prescription card, and order lab and imaging tests at discounts of up to 80%. Open enrollment is now, so don't miss out on the chance to save 50 to 70% of your monthly premiums while making a difference in the lives of others who share your values. It's the Alliance for Shared Health. You can find out more at StaceyOnTheRight.com and FamilyVisionMedia.org. Just click the link and you can sign up and have this crossed off your to-do list today. The Alliance for Shared Health is changing healthcare and changing lives. And that's another podcast for the books. God bless you. I hope you're having a fantastic day and I'll be back with you soon.